Hey everyone, this is Brandon Lyles. My wife Heidi and I pastor Living Word Northwest in Rogers, Minnesota. We hope what you're about to hear encourages you no matter what you're facing this week. We believe you'll experience Jesus wherever you're listening from right now. Enjoy the message. Uh, The Lord has changed directions in our heart a little bit. Um, We're kind of peeling back the onion of this series, Unfulfilled. Unfulfilled. And um, the Lord's taken us, it's the same vein, just a little bit different direction. He's dropped something in our heart. And of course, that can tend to drive like our creative and communication seem a little crazy because we scramble a little bit and, and, you know, uh, but we've got to go with our heart. And we do have an amazing staff uh, that goes with the flow. Amen. And so um, we are feeling this concept and I guess I'll set it up with um, a little bit of a uh, view into our lives and what it looks like. Um, Sundays, speaking specifically of Sundays, all right? Sundays for us, uh, after Sunday morning services, we go into uh, a post-preaching coma. Anybody else do that on Sunday afternoons? You know, where you just all of a sudden, if you sit down on the couch, you will not be getting up for at least a couple hours. And even once you get up, Your children will not want to be around you. Your wife may not want to be around you. And it's just kind of like you're moving slow motion and everything's kind of going around you, right? So that's that's my, you know, post-Sunday preaching coma because we get up early and I just start screaming at people at 9 a.m. in the morning and it takes a lot out of me. Anyway, so Sundays for us, though, there's a lot to get done, especially when you got kids, especially when you got four kids. Sunday's the start of the week. We kind of take our Sabbath more on a Saturday, Um, and so you've got meals to think about for the week and you've got to get the laundry done for the week, right? Um, and, and you've got to just kind of get things set up, especially if it's the school year. And, and not only that, but then you're, you're trying to deal with your teens in the summer because they're bored out of their mind. So, so you just woke up from your coma nap and then you're putting the load of laundry in. And then all of a sudden you're like, wait, I haven't seen my oldest child for two days. So you're checking on the find my iPhone to see where in St. Michael he's running around at. And then your other teenager is like, hey, dad, can I have a sleepover? Hey, dad, can I just give me a minute? Dad, can I have a sleepover? The parents need to know. Just give me a minute, right? And then your kids, it's the weird thing about young kids is that when they hit their wall of exhaustion, they get crazy full of energy, right? So your kids are just running everywhere. We don't know what they're running for, but they're running. And if your kids are running and you have a six-month-old puppy, then your puppy starts running. So the, the kids and the dog are just running around the living room. They're running and they're running, and then the dog forgets it's supposed to go outside to go to the bathroom, so the dog stops. The dog poops in the living room, and then the dog keeps running, and the kids are running, and you're trying to find your teenage son who is MIA, and your other one who's kind of the middle child and neglected a little bit more than the rest of the kids. Dad, can I have a sleepover? And he probably is just getting ready to leave on his own without saying anything because I won't notice and for a few hours. So then on top of that, we haven't even thought about taking care of ourselves, right? Haven't even thought about, did I get enough sleep last night? It doesn't see. Have I eaten today? I haven't eaten today. I've been eating, drinking apple juice and then the weird snacks that Adam bought for the volunteers today. Oatmeal cream pies. Like this is what is in my body right now. Why am I feeling the way that I'm feeling right now? This is what's going. And then you hit the end of the night 
and you finally remember, oh, that's right, I am married, I do have a spouse, haven't seen you, what have we been doing today? You, you, you sit down, the kids are finally in bed because they have hit the official wall, the laundry's wet in the washing machine and you're just going to leave it there to the next day and just do another rinse cycle, anybody? And you say to each other, what is life? What is life? I wish our title was more spiritual for you. But this is what we say. What is life? Anybody? Does anybody say that? I said it four times yesterday. What is life? No, babe, what's wrong with me? It's a little dramatic, babe, how you're describing that. It's yeah. kind of stressful, too. <laughs> That's their different personalities. I know you're all peaceful like Jesus all the time, but... You know, we haven't even considered Monday morning, um, you know, and what's going on that week. You know, because then Monday morning hits, right? And you've got your Monday morning, your, the meal prep and then the meeting prep, right? Because you've got your Living Word meetings in Brooklyn Park, and then you've got your Northwest meetings, right? And then, oh, by the way, we're done with Sunday, and what comes seven days later? Sunday, so you've got to start prepping your message for the next week, right? Lord, what are you showing me this week? And, you know, that, this is like 8 a.m. We're there, you know. So there's, there's this idea of just, Lord, and I guess this is the journey we're on. What is life? Amen? You can see why Psalm 4610 is kind of like a lifeline for me. Be still and know that I am God. And if you've been here any amount of time or plan on staying after today's message, you will hear Psalm 4610 a lot. <laughs> you got like Pastor Mac is like his favorite verse, like I press on toward the mark. And I'm like, oh God, be still. <laughs> right? <sighs> and this verse sometimes feels like a joke. It's like, really? Okay, Lord. Yeah, you be still. Do you know what my life is like, Lord? Tell me to be still. Um, when you're going 100 miles an hour and you stop and you be still, it hurts because everything hits you. You know what I'm saying? Everything catches up to you. I, uh, I took some of my own advice um, from last week's sermon about um, getting into the slow lane of traffic, trying to practice the pace of peace that Jesus had, you know? So, of course, I'm like, well, I should, you know, do what I say. And so I got into the slow lane on 94, you know, and instead of going 80 on 94, which none of you do, I'm sure, but, um, you know, I, I went, I was going my 70 miles an hour, and then when you hit construction, 60 miles an hour, and, you know, being a good law-abiding citizen. And let me tell you, it is not easy to go the pace of peace. And I hate it when the Holy Spirit speaks to me. Um, and reminds me to do what I say. Um, so if you want to make people mad, go the speed limit. <laughs> Let me tell you. Big picture, when you slow down in life, like big picture, when you decide to go kind of countercultural and, and, and ease up a little bit, it's not easy for you and it's not easy for the people around you. Your boss, it ain't going to be easy for him. Your kids and all their energy, it's not going to be easy for them. You know, life. So when I slow down into that right lane, let me tell you, I learned sign language that I didn't even know was out there. And you could feel people just glaring, right? You feel people pressing 
in on you, trying to get you to go faster. And let me just cut in there. No, they're pressing in. No, you can go ahead. This is what I will do is even if I'm going the speed limit and somebody's right behind me to please them because I just want to not be, have somebody be so angry is I'll just speed up and follow what everybody else is doing, right? Yeah, well, that's what I was going to say is they, they, it's like, it's like you can feel them saying like, go with the flow, bud. You know what I mean? Or, or get out of the way. Go where we're going, go how we're, or get out of the way. And you feel that pressure. And there's things in our lives that make us feel that pressure. And we don't even realize why we're anxious, but there's just so many things that are kind of pushing. And not all bad things, right? You got to take care of your kids, people. You got to take care of your marriage. You got to pay the bills. So you feel the pressure from all angles. I mean, I said this during first service, and I think we lost a few members, but the world sucks. It sucks you into a different direction. You know what I mean? It really does. And your kids suck. They're trying to just suck you out of that place of peace with all their needs. Not that they're bad needs. Your job sucks, right? Trying to suck you out of that place of peace with everything you got to do with your job. Your marriage does not suck. It's awesome. I'm just saying there are so many things in life that... Here's, here's what it is. It's, it's sometimes easier to get into the place of peace than stay in it. Do you know what I'm saying? And so what happens is when we get sucked out of that place of peace, which happens, I mean, if I say I got this revelation from God about staying um, in that pace of peace, right? The way Jesus moved his ebb and flow, his rhythm of grace, his patience and his love and his joy, even when things were, even when he was going to be crucified, right? Like to stay in that place, it's like 10, 20, 30 times a day, I get sucked back into the crazy, the, the what is life moment. You know what I'm saying? And yeah, just don't think about it. That's good. Just shove it deep down inside and pretend it's not there. Hence, why I have so many issues. (laughs) And my psychologist is paid well. Yeah, and I wonder if the more that we do take those moments to just refocus, you know, if it gets easier, you Mm. know, to stay in that place. And that's why he says, be still with the Lord. That's what being still with him will help us be still in the crazy. Yeah, and that's that's my next point. Um, Thank you again for saying it already, but um, <laughs> she, she just listens to me preach at the 9 a.m. service and then thinks she has all these great revelations for that. I'm just kidding. I'm just kidding. <laughs> Your husband sucks. <laughs> uh, okay. Um. But the, it's the Psalm 46.10. This is why I love it out of the message. He says, step out of traffic. Take a long, loving look at me, your high God above politics, above everything, right? And this is what, what you were saying. Slowing down first, the great thing about it is when you have to stop, when you have to step out, when you have to make a change or make a tweak, it hurts a lot less. It's a little bit easier because you've slowed down to a, to a pace that you can live at. <laughs> you know, not to succeed at, 
that you can live at and enjoy life at. (laughs) And that's where I want to go with this. John 10.10, a thief has only one thing in mind. He wants to steal, slaughter, and destroy or distract, deplete, right, divide. But I, Jesus, Jesus said this, I have come to give you everything in abundance, more than you expect, life in its fullness until you overflow. And this verse is meaningless until we truly understand what is life. And not just all the Christian cliche things about life or all the things that, you know, the media is trying to sell us on what life really is. But God, I don't just want to have the typical revelation on life. I want it to be my reality. So there's a supernatural principle here of life, but there's also a natural principle that Jesus is trying to get through to us so that we can enjoy the, the actual life that we are living on the day to day. So you might start out with the crazy question, what is life? But the hope is that we can get a little bit more introspective and kind of go like, okay, what is, what is life? Amen? So here's what I've got, a couple quick definitions for you. First definition of life is fairly predictable. The existence of an individual human being or animal, which is very exciting. Life, we're compared to animals. But it's true. I mean, I've got days where I feel like I am about as useful as an animal. I, I uh, like the second definition better. Um, the condition that distinguishes animals and plants from inorganic matter, including the capacity for growth, which is good, right? Reproduction, no comment. Functional activity, and continual change preceding death. So it's still, it's still kind of a bit depressing, but it gives us the idea that there is a purpose here to life. And all throughout Scripture, that's what we know the most of. We see the evidence of life. You, you see God talking about life when he says he breathed life, right, into man, and, and that created us. Here we are, his life on the inside of us, we hear things like abundant life, um, eternal life, all things that we can read about in the scripture. But this is the question, this is the, this is the issue I face is that, you know, I'm seeing that I have these revelations of life, right? Peace and joy and health and, and just thriving. I have the revelation. I know even what the word says about those things, but it's not totally my reality, and, and that's what I want. I want it to be from out here to like here. Amen. Just like the love of God. I don't want to just like read about it. I want to, I want to taste and see that it is good. Amen. I want to experience it. Yes, it's our experience. It's the day to day. Not just the Sunday, but Thursday too. You know, it's the day to day experience of life. Um, I... Uh, I think sometimes being, you know, a Christian can get exhausting. Obviously, by the first half of this sermon, you can tell I get exhausted. Um, and there's a lot of things that even I find myself trying to do, right? There's like the work of trying to stay and rest. There's that work of trying to distance myself from distractions and, and just praying and receiving healing, you know, um, for, for my body, for my family. There's all those things. And um, it kind of reminds me of the very little experience I have working out, um, you know, there's uh, so, it's so easy nowadays to learn how to do something. You can go on YouTube and you can talk to a bunch of people, you know, so I started doing that 
I want to work out, what's going to be best for me, you know, and I wanted to work out just because I wanted to get toned, but then you start talking to all these guys that work out all the time, and it's all about gains, right? Gains, you got to get gains so you can be strong, and so I start working out and following these programs to get gains, and, and you know, um, obviously you can tell it's working, but uh, the thing is, is what happens when you work out like that, for me, um, I was seeing results, but I was not enjoying it. You know what I mean? Because I was tired. I was exhausted. You know, you get the whole lightheaded thing and you're just like, breathe, you know, and just not enjoying my time working out. And then you're sore for days after that. And so what happens? Well, I just stopped. I just stopped doing the work because although I was gaining, I wasn't enjoying And I want to enjoy this life that God has given me. Not just as some sort of idea out there for the very holy people. No, like right here, right now, in my day-to-day life, abundant, overflowing life like Jesus promised. And I realize that a lot of it is based on perspective, right? And experience and your surroundings. I get all that. But the question that has me right now is this. In the pursuit to fulfill our need for supernatural life, have we overlooked the importance of our need for natural life? I was a part of a ministry a while ago, and everybody's response to everything was supernatural. How are you doing? Supernatural. I want to say natural. You know what I'm saying? Like the right here, the right now, on this earth, everything that I believe, I'm seeing. How are you doing? Natural. I'm loving life. Oh, but aren't you going through this and going through? Yeah, I am. I'm going through a lot, bro. But you want to know what else? It's Listen, I just, I'm going to break it way down, simplify it. Like the kind of life where it's like I, I had a bonfire with my friends and we were like gut laughing, belly laughing. Not like, oh, and we had a Bible study, and praise the Lord, I got this new revelation. That's fine. I want to laugh. I want to have fun. I want to have a game night with my kids and be like, babe, wasn't that the best game night? We made this memory, you know, where something happened, and it was like River. When River laughs, it's like a machine gun. She's like, <laughs> it's like she just laughs because she's happy, and she enjoys life. And she lives in a blended family. She has me for a dad. Pray for her. Like she has her own struggles, but she just, she's, that's why we call her River Joy. She's enjoying life. That's life. Amen. I don't just want to read about it or hear about it or just like, (laughs) I'm full of life. Life is so great. (laughs) No, like I want to experience that life through the good, through the bad, through my kids, through my marriage, in my job, Monday morning, I want to truly enjoy life. And sure, part of that is my perspective. I get that. Part of that is my personality. I get that. But you know what, Lord? If you came to give me life and give it more abundantly, in fact, so much so that it's overflowing out of the inside of me, that's a tangible, real thing. And it's a constant need that I have from you so that I can enjoy and experience life. I'm going to get ahead of myself right now because it's the 11 o'clock service. This earth will be recreated one day. 
Life in eternity is going to look like this. It's not going to be different, except, you know, we'll all look like we're 25 again. And some of you that are 20 are like, oh, what? Some of you don't remember what you looked like at 25. Uh, I don't want to think about when I was 25. I, I just, I want you to know that God has given us this world as an example of what is to come one day in eternity, which means if we're going to be enjoying eternity with Jesus, then there is a way that we can enjoy eternity, we can enjoy now with Jesus on this earth, which is why you can go outside, my friends from Alaska, and look at a mountain and be like, there is God. Woo! You can go outside in the fall in Minnesota and be like, I know we're all about to die with frigid, freezing cold weather, but right now I see God in Minnesota because he created the here and the now to be an explosion, a mirror, a replication of his life for us to enjoy now when it's hard to enjoy it, to enjoy the other things that he's put in our lives to be full when one thing is lacking he's given us other things that can fill us amen i gotta stop babe because i want them to hear what's on your heart but i know i didn't like answer any questions or anything i didn't use a whole lot of scripture but that's why heidi's here it's gonna be really good so open your bibles and prepare no it's good no it's good and i think that it's what is abundant life, you know, because we hear about it. Yeah. Well, I, I mean, I, I think that for each of us, it can be different too. True. And depending on different seasons that we're in, right? Mm-hmm. That's true. But one of the things is opening our eyes wide in wonder. Yeah. Looking around us, what has he given us right here? Yeah. Seeing him through that, and there's life hidden. So uh, the Holy Spirit gave me this story that has little hidden truths of what abundant life looks like. Mm. And um, it's in 2 Kings 4. It was this wealthy woman. The message says she was a leading lady. Mm. And she opened up this room. She made this whole room. Some translations say she put a lamp and a bed and a desk for Elisha to stay in. Anytime he passed through their town. And the reason she did this was because she recognized the presence of God with him. Mm. And she wanted to make room for the presence of God in her house wow. and in her life. It's good. Abundant living comes from making room for the presence of the Lord in our lives. Yeah, whether that's five minutes of room, one minute of room. In between cleaning up the dog poop and putting the kids to bed, the Lord knows how much, yeah. how much room you have in your life, and He'll meet you there. Yes. Mm. And so Elisha asked her, what can I give you for opening up this room and making this space for me? And she said, nothing. My family takes good care of me. Hmm. This shows her motives. Mm. Abundant living is giving to others in secret mm. when only he knows, not looking for something in return or a reward or acknowledgement, just giving. Yeah, moms <laughs> get this. Moms get this. Yeah. Accept really well. There's life in that. Life yeah. comes to us when that happens. Mm-hmm. It's the way that he set it up, right? Yeah, it's good. And she could have asked for anything, yep. you know? 
She could have asked Elijah for all these different things, but she didn't because she found contentment in her life. And this doesn't mean that she didn't have needs or wants, but she found this contentment and abundant living comes from being content with where we're at. Trusting the Lord, His way, His timing, His provision, His protection. It's choosing to do that. And in that choice, life comes. <laughs> yeah. I love how she said she was surrounded. She's like, I got everything I need. I'm surrounded by my family. That is where her contentment came from. She didn't say, oh, I don't need anything. I'm content because I have a lot of money, which right. she did. Or I'm content because I'm successful in my career or because I have a high education or a high status or position. She said, I'm content because my family loves me. Yeah, yeah. And that's the point I want to make is that don't just think of it as just, oh, well, my my family doesn't love me, so I'm not content then. No, but think of it as God had this natural thing around this woman. Mm -hmm. And when she opened her eyes, she realized, I find joy and enjoyment in my surroundings, my, for her, my family. Yes. She found this joy from a very natural source yeah. that God was using to fulfill her. Yeah, right. Amen? It wasn't just her sitting alone, you know, reading her Torah by herself. You know what I mean? Like, and that's where I got my joy, you know? It was in the people, the community, the family, the environment around her. She found joy. Yeah. And she didn't have to chase after that. She didn't have to chase trying to find abundant life. It was already right in front of her in those relationships and, and the family, the friends, the community that we have here. Mm-hmm. That's, that's where the life came from. It's, it. We see the Lord in the people that he's given us. And if you don't feel like you have that, then thank you, Lord, for bringing that to you. Yeah. So that you have that, because that is something that he has created us to need Mm -hmm. for life. Mm, And so Elisha then asked his servant, he said, what can we give her? She's opened up this space for us. And his servant said, well, she doesn't have a son and her husband is old. So Elisha told the woman in verse 16, next year at this time, you will be holding a son in your arms. No, my Lord, she cried. Oh, man of God, don't deceive me and get my hopes up like that. She wanted a son. The Lord knows the hidden, deep dreams and desires that we have buried in our heart that sometimes we don't tell anybody because we think it's impossible or for fear of being disappointed. But abundant living is believing that those desires he's put on our heart will come to pass. And a side note to that, a lot of times waiting is involved. Mm. And the final picture doesn't look like what we thought. Right. It's better. Yeah. Because that's who he is. Yeah. But just knowing that there's a process. Right. You know? Yeah, life. What By definition, it? it's a process. So you better believe that as he brings his life into you, it will be part of a process. Amen? Yeah, yeah and those desires are a part of that. Yeah. 
In Psalm 37, 4 and 5, it says, Find your delight and true pleasure in Yahweh, and He will give you what you desire the most. Mm. Give God the right to direct your life. And as you trust Him along the way, you'll find He pulled it off perfectly. (laughs) (laughs) He knows what to do. Yeah, even on a Sunday afternoon. Uh, So the woman had a son, just like Elisha said, and one day when the boy was older, he was working in the fields with his dad, and he said, my head hurts, and his dad had him carried to his mom, and the, the boy sat on his mom's lap, and then he died. Wow. This doesn't sound like abundant life. No, not at all. Right? But this is abundant life because... When hope dies, when joy dies, when peace dies, when life dies, when, not if, Mm. abundant living is letting the Lord hold us, Mm. letting the Lord carry us, letting letting Him hold us on His lap, and He won't carry us over it or around it, but letting Him carry us right through it. Wow. Abundant living is making that choice to trust him that he's going to make it all right, even in the worst situations. Mm. I don't know what it's going to look like, but I know that he's holding me and it's going to be all right. Mm-hmm. Right? Yeah, it's good. That is abundant living because mm. abundant living is not a pain free, happy, everyday life. Oh, that's a good point. It's falling back in his arms sometimes. Yeah, right. And when you do that, you're living abundantly. Yeah, right. Wow, that's good. So this woman carried her dead son upstairs into Elisha's room, and she laid him on his on Elisha's bed. And then she told her husband, I am going to travel 20 miles on a donkey to go meet Elisha. And I looked up how long it would take to travel on a donkey 20 miles, and it's around eight hours. Her husband asked why, <laughs> and she said, it's going to be all right. I don't think she said it like that, probably. <laughs> what do you think it's going to be all right. <laughs> That's how I picture it. Either way, it. either way. Yeah. And she knew that this trip was going to be long, hot, uncomfortable, yeah. probably emotionally distressing oh, for her, not imagine. knowing what's going to happen, but yeah. it's going to be okay. It's going to be okay. Yeah. Right? Right. And, and so she's traveling to Elisha, and... Um, you know, I, um, sorry. Oh, this is, this is, this is what I got out of this is this trip that she traveled to Elisha. She knew that it wasn't going to be comfortable, but she did it anyway. She had to meet Elisha to restore her son. Mm -hmm. And what are we willing to do to meet with the Lord? Hmm. Because he is the only one who is going to awaken, restore, and resurrect the dead things in our life. Mm. Abundant living is choosing to meet with the Lord, even when it's difficult or inconvenient. Yeah. That's where we're going to find that life that we need. Right, right. Right? And he's waiting for us, and he loves us either way, but he's there waiting, you know? Mm-hmm. And so... Elisha sees her from the distance and he sends his servant out to her and he and the servant asks, you know, do you need anything? And she said to the servant, it's going to be all right. 
And she started walking towards Elisha again. And when she got to Elisha, she fell at his feet. And I don't know, I can relate to this part. I don't know if you can, but she fell at his feet crying, didn't I tell you, (laughs) don't deceive me. You don't get my hopes up, Elisha. This right here is an example of abundant living because she was falling at his feet. Abundant living is falling at Jesus' feet and telling him everything that we're angry about, everything that we hate, everything that we're fearful about, everything that that we're mad about. I love that contrast because normally in churches, especially we're told, well, abundant living is no, we're up praising, you know, and ah, right. But really the abundant life, you know, not to sound like a Hillsong song, but it starts on your knees. You know what I'm saying? Like it really does. Hmm. Yeah, it it comes from just telling every and any care that we have, giving it to him and let let him take it and make it right. Mm. That's where I want to be when all those things happen. Lord, make it right. (laughs) Yeah, that's what I say on Sunday afternoons. Lord, make it right. Uh, I feel that. Psalm 55, 22. So here's what I've learned through it all. Leave all your cares and anxieties at the feet of the Lord. Mm. And measureless grace will strengthen you. That's his word. That's true. Mm. Thank you, Lord, for your measureless grace that strengthens us yeah, today. Yeah, that's good. Right? I like that. So Elisha told his servant, okay, I want you to go to the boy, put this staff on his face to heal him. And in verse 30, the woman looks at Elisha and she's like, uh-uh. <laughs> I did not travel eight hours on a donkey to have your servant go heal him. You are coming with me. <laughs> She said, as surely as the Lord lives and you yourself live, (laughs) I won't go home unless you go with me. If you want to keep living. So Elisha returned with her. (laughs) Yeah. Smart man. Smart man. It's like when Moses said, oh no, Lord, I'm not going anywhere without your presence. Yeah. Right. Abundant living is letting his presence lead us, Mm -hmm. being aware of his presence with us, the need for his presence Mm. with us. Right? Mm. So the servant still went ahead and he did that and nothing happened. Here's where the miracle happens in verse 33 to 35. And this is interesting. The Lord is creative. He went in alone. This is Elisha and shut the door behind him and prayed to the Lord. Then he lay down on the child's body, placing his mouth on the child's mouth, his eyes on the child's eyes, his hands on the child's hands. And as he stretched out on him, the child's body began to grow warm again. Elisha got up, walked back and forth across the room once, and then he stretched himself out again on the child. This time the boy sneezed seven times and opened his eyes. And Elisha called the mom up, and, and, the, and the word says that she was overwhelmed with gratitude mm. as she held her living son again in her lap. No, it's so interesting about that, babe. And I don't know why I didn't think of this last service, but I just find it interesting. You know, we're talking about the pace of peace, Jesus's pace, and that place of being at peace and being at rest and experiencing life in that place. Yet this boy sneezes seven times, which if you look all throughout scripture, uh, the number seven uh, is in reference to, you'll, you'll see it in reference to the Sabbath, right? On the, on the seventh day, right? It's all good. The Lord 
rests. It's complete. Yeah. You know, I love that. It's finished. Yeah. Love that. Yeah. Um, you know what's also interesting when you're talking about light this morning? One out of three people sneeze because of the light. And I just wonder if maybe he saw light from the Lord's presence and sneezed out all the toxins and the bacteria and the things that weren't supposed to be in him, you know, from the light of God. <laughs> Elisha's like, what the? Oh, gross. <laughs> but, right. you know, abundant living is knowing that the Lord's passionate love for us, because he passionately loves us, everything is going to be okay. Mm. And that may be simple, but he doesn't want it to be complicated. Yeah. Just right. reminding ourselves, you know what? Because you love me passionately, (laughs) I know that you're going to take care of this. Everything's going to be okay, Mm -hmm. you know? And this is the hope that we have as children of God. It anchors us. Mm. It's a hope that other people who don't know the Lord do not have. It's the secret grounding that we can always fall back on. And if we forget, Lord, remind us. Yeah, that's That's what this is. That's what this is for me today, you guys. That's what this is. I, I When I was writing the sermon, I was like, I just ended without any sort of pastoral point being made. Just felt like a big therapy session. And then I was like, babe, you got to get something really good here because I don't know where to go, you know? And so even for me, this is just like, this is so good. It's that reminder. Yes. It's the Holy Spirit. It, it It's totally Him. It's This is a fresh word for all of us That's today. Good. Yeah, it's good. It's what He wants to say. Mm-hmm. That's all. Just a reminder. And, you know, even when we give up on Him and even when we fail Him, He never gives up on us. He never fails us. Even when it seems impossible, like things are going to happen or change or turn around, maybe they never will. But with the Lord, nothing's impossible. And He will turn things around because that's who He is. And even though we may look like we're alive on the outside, but we feel so dead on the inside, no matter what has died inside of us, He'll bring back to life. Mm. He stretches over us. He hovers over us. He leans in close, face to face, heart to heart. He breaks the chains that are holding us captive and dead. And he holds our hands just like he did in this story. And he breathes life back into our dead souls. You know, all we have to do is ask Mm. because he's listening in love waiting for us to ask. And I'll just finish with this in Psalm 116. I am passionately in love with God because He listens to me. He hears my prayers and answers them. As long as I live, I'll keep praying to Him, for He stoops down to listen to my heart's cry. Death once stared me in the face, and I was close to slipping into its dark shadows. I was terrified and overcome with sorrow. I cried out to the Lord, God, come and just save me. What does he do? He's so kind and so gracious to me because of his passion towards me. It's like that running down the aisle, right? He made everything right and he restored me. So I've learned from my experience that God protects the vulnerable. For I was broken and brought low, but he answered me and came to my rescue. Now I can say to myself and to all, relax and rest. 
Say it to me. Be confident and serene. <laughs> yeah. For the Lord rewards fully those who simply trust in Him. Yeah. Right? And that's like even just saying, Lord, I don't know how, but I know you're going to work this out. That's trust. Wow. Um, sorry. God has rescued my soul from death's fear and dried my eyes of many tears. He's kept my feet firmly on his path and strengthened me so that I may please him and walk before Yahweh in his fields of life. Even when it seems I'm surrounded by many liars and my own fears, and though I'm hurting in my suffering and trauma, I still stay faithful to God and speak words of faith. In verse 16, Lord, because I'm your loving servant, you have broken open my life and freed me from my chains. Mm, so good. Wow. Wow. I love that. I love I love how you set up this psalm, which sometimes they're relatable in a lot of ways, but sometimes it seems a little like intense. And you're like, well, that's a little extreme, David. But but then when you kind of put it in your circumstance with maybe what you're facing and you read this and you realize that God is breaking open life, our life. Why? To free us from any chain of, gosh, whatever it might be that's just been draining the life from you. Maybe it's something that's happened to you. Maybe it's something that's happening to you. Maybe it's just you're not experiencing what you want to experience in life. Maybe you're still asking that question. Like I asked like five times yesterday, what is life? (laughs) But God, so rich in mercy and love, he is, I believe it. I believe that this month, starting right now, He's going to show us what it truly means to live. That overflow, that John 10, 10 kind of life, that overflowing, abundant life, becoming not just a revelation, but a reality. Amen? I believe that for you this week. If, if you can, if you wouldn't mind standing to your feet so I can pray for you. Lord, I thank you right now that the kind of life that you've given us, that you offer to us, is unlike anything else we could ever partake of. Like we just read in your word, Father, wealth doesn't bring life, and titles and promotions don't bring us life. In fact, a lot of those things are the very thing that distract us from the life that you've deposited around us and our friends and family and our kids. And and so, Lord, we just open our eyes right now to see the life and the light that that is all around us and even in us right now. That your light and your life is actually on the inside of us and everything pertaining to life and godliness is already in us. So I choose this week, God, I choose this week, and I I hope you can agree with me in this prayer. I choose this week, Lord, to open not just the eyes of my heart, but my natural eyes to look, to behold, and to even partake of the life that you have deposited 
all around me. Let's just think of some of those things right now. I look at the life that you've given me in my marriage, in my kids right now, in this church community. I thank you for that. There's life all around me right here in this city. In this moment right now, there is a life in knowing that I am in a room full of people that are seeking you first and wanting more uh, of who you are, just like I do, Lord. I thank you that I can do this in a country. As we're about to celebrate in one week, we can do this in a country, seek you in a country where we are free to seek and receive from you and worship you in public. I thank you, God, that there is life. Church, am I the only one in here who's thankful for all the life? Come on, declare it out. Just call it out. Maybe you just need to hear yourself say it. What is the life that he has put around you? Yeah, come on, guys. Help me out here this morning. What is that life? What is that life? And you know what? You don't even have to say it by faith. I thank you, God, that there is life falling from the sky right now. There is rain being brought unto a dry land. Oh, and I see it with the eyes of my heart, too, that your reign of the Spirit is bringing life into my heart right now. Hallelujah. God, I thank you that as we go forth this week, that you will overtake us with an overflowing life on the inside and the outside, in the supernatural and in the natural, Father. (laughs) Do you believe that today? I'm believing that for you. I'm believing that for you and your family. For those of you that are struggling in your body right now, I just call the life of God to rise to the surface. You hear that? Yeah, I hear him say, my life is already on the inside of you. So just call it to the surface. Call it through the distractions. Call it up through the doctor's reports. Call it up through the symptoms. Call my life up through the pain. Watch my life resurrect through all of that death that you've been experiencing. Come to the surface and bring your body back to life in Jesus' name. Oh, I just see his life. Like like he said earlier, it's coming out of that dark basement and coming up into the light. Coming up into your living space this day in Jesus' name. Hallelujah. Hey, thanks for taking the time to listen to what God has put on our hearts. If you need someone to pray with you or for you, join Heidi and I Monday nights, 8 p.m. Central Time on Facebook. And just know we're grateful to the Lord that He's given us this time with you. God bless.